Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Gareth Southgate's new favorite podcast, In Soccer, In Soccer We Trust. I'm your host today, Heath Pierce, alongside Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. Jimmy Trashcan Conrad's going to be joining us in a little bit. But for now, just Charlie and I controlling this ship. So, Charlie, how's it going? How are you feeling after this one? I know the, the Internet's probably going to go crazy because it's never good enough. But how do you specifically feel uh, after that 90-plus uh, minutes uh, of the U.S. national team? I'm pumped. Think about it. No one gave this team a shot. England are one of the World Cup favorites. You could say they didn't play well. They didn't play well because we played well. So when I look at the, the midfield, which is our core, that's our strength of our team, they played well. And the man of the match, the, man, the best player on the pitch was Tyler Adams, without a doubt. Locked it up. Was, was shut down the space that Harry Kane likes to occupy. Shut down Mason Mount. Shut down Saka. And shut down Sterling. His recoveries, his his tackling, his command, even on the ball, just a boss. He 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 represented the U.S. extremely well. You love what Eunice Musa did along in the midfield and Weston McKinney. Completely different performance than what we saw against Wales for both of those in particular. They got on the ball. They were confident. I I, I think I knew Weston was heading in the right direction just off the start of the game. He, yeah. he got the ball on the right wing and, and didn't lose it, took good touches. And I, I, I go, okay, this is a different Weston. This is a, a Weston that's locked in. Of course, could have done better with the chance. Um, Tim, Timothy Way put it on a platter for him, and you expect him yeah. to finish. Other than that, my man of the match is, is Tyler Adams. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with – actually, I'm gonna, I think Weston McKinney's my man of the match, and for a few reasons. Uh, yes, he missed a huge chance. But we've talked about this before, him being the catalyst, right? And I, I, I came after you a bunch of times in the past six, eight months, Charlie, around Weston McKinney, how I thought he was replaceable, how I thought somebody else could start. But you can see when he was on today, right? It was around the 20th minute, he drove the ball up the field. And then there was three or four players that decided, hey, we're going to all do this. I thought the first 10 minutes, the U.S. looked a little nervous. They were arriving late. They kind of looked like, oh, man, we might settle into something that that, that uh, might play into England's hands. They got a big chance from Harry Kane at the, at the beginning that we had made a good play to stop. But then Weston McKinney drove that ball up the field. Now, before we get into player performances, though, I want to talk to you about the fact that Weston McKinney was spending a lot of time driving up the right side of the field. Now, if you watch the build-up play or even defensively, we saw Timo Weah and Haji Wright playing almost as two strikers when we were pressing, right? Inside and tight. And then the team was sort of fluid around that. And that was the first time I'd seen the team Yes, I'd seen them uh, be in different systems of play. But do you think on this day, Greg Berhalter got it right? Because we know the Internet's going to blame all kinds of things. He's going to get blamed for, 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 for the U.S. No, not scoring let's, goals. let's not be foolish. He got it right. But do you think he got it right, tactically, he, right? He, he was pressing with two he players. He outcoached South, Gareth Southgate. Outcoached. I'm also shocked that Gareth South, Southgate didn't make changes, tactical changes at halftime. Maybe not substitute because you could have taken off – uh, Mason Mount, you could you 
And I don't think Harry Kane was 100%. I think that was evident in the second half. He tried to outrun Zimmerman and was running in slow motion. Should have started Marcus Rashford, I think, at, at the nine. But ultimately, he could have made some changes at halftime, didn't, and he waited too long, and he never changed the way they play. So for me, yes, Greg Berhalter got it right with his player selection, and I was um, one of the, the the people who said, yes, the nine has to change. He did make the change, but instead of Timothy Way, he went with Haji Wright. Haji Wright has played uh, in, into the channels and counterattack, big, bigger presence. He also wasn't effective today. So our nine is what's preventing us, I think, from being elite because we don't have that goal score. We don't have that finisher. It's it's hard work, which is great, but you expect that from every international player at this level. I think we need a nine who's clinical, and that's why I keep pushing for Timothy Weah to be there. I know Timothy Weah has been great at the nine, but maybe you get him, I mean, at, at the wing. Maybe you put him as a nine. Yeah. You have that player who can stretch the back line, getting it behind. He's a good finisher. But you also get an Aronson or Arena on the pitch, which will, well, let me will ask you this, ultimately let me benefit ask you this real quick. more chances. Yes. It, in the context of that, mm-hmm. I think Greg tactically got it right. I think he, we yes. were superior. I think after the first 20 minutes, the game changed completely. And I think we, we were controlling things. I don't think England had answers. I thought that we, we were taking chances. I thought the combination play, it wasn't just carrying it on the back of Weston McKinney being good or Tyler Adams being good. There was just this collective elevation of like, hey, we're young. We got we got skills. We can ball. Let's go. And it just seemed like all of a sudden these shackles were off in terms of that fear of playing a little bit guarded. But if Greg Berhalter knew that the team was going to play as well as they did today in terms of the system, in terms of actually executing the game plan that they put out, do you think he would have played with a different striker? Given how the game turned out with, with, with the result – I think you, you like play. Which, would Sargent be better? Would Ferreira be better? Or, you know, no. in, in the context of this, would, would, it, would it have been any different? Or are we just lacking at that nine position? Because we you know, are lacking. You, you look it at is, it and it's, Heath, it's just ahead. we're lacking at the nine. Sar- Sargent's not giving you any different boost than Haji Wright and vice versa. I think, and I'm just going to keep saying it until hopefully it happens, that you put Timothy Wea up there. Wea is sharp, he's on point. He can hold up the ball. He's good on the dribble. Just play him there. He's good in space. Haji Wright was supposed to be good in space. He didn't offer much today. And so uh, I think when you look at the upside with Timothy Weah playing as a nine and you're getting another talented midfielder on the pitch, Reyna or Aronson, you're essentially getting more opportunities to get uh, chances from different parts of, of the field. And yeah. you're not so much one-dimensional because Haji Wright isn't going to create anything on his own, and neither is Josh Sargent. Timothy Wea can, and also Reyna could, and also Aronson could. So that's why I would like to get more of your talented players on the pitch in the attacking uh, half than, than just continuing to rotate through Sargent, Haji Wright, or Jesus Ferreira. Yeah. I will say, though, in transition, the first 10 minutes had me nervous, right? When England flipped that switch on, and I thought actually, I actually thought the first 10 minutes the U.S. was good. And then we went into that 10 to 20 minutes uh, window, and England had a few combination plays where they played one, two touches, in, out, in, out, and they found themselves with beautiful opportunities in and around our box. Now, I wouldn't say opportunities, but they found themselves with momentum on the top of our box multiple times. And then the other part of that that I thought was a little bit worrying for me when I think about the Iran game is close to the end of the half. There was nothing for 30 minutes, and then at the 44th, 45th minute, England had just this wave of two, three chances that for the first time I was talking to the TV saying, please don't, please don't, please don't. Because I just fear of us making that mistake. We saw the Walker Zimmerman mistake and it's costly, right? Uh, do you mm-hmm. do you feel like there's anything at risk right now heading into this game? And we'll, we'll stick to the recap for the most part. But do you feel that there's any vulnerabilities that the team showed that would suggest to you that getting a result or getting a win against Iran might be harder than we think if they were to play the way they played today? No. I think I love the fact that he went to win this game and he played his best team. Um, shout out to uh, Christopher Walken, who who is a committed uh, listener and uh, joins the live show. He he was thinking, do do we make anything of Greg risking, um, you know, West McKinney or or, Sir, or Serginio West because they're on yellow cards or or even Tim Ream to that point? No, you you don't. You you gained a lot because. Yes, neither, none of them picked up a yellow one, but two, 
you prove to the team that you believe in them and that you're trying yeah. to win. You're not here to settle. Nothing is guaranteed with that Wales game, not uh, with the Iran game. Nothing. You can't you can't predict anything with that game. You have to go and try and win this game, so that that Iran Iran game wouldn't matter maybe as much or be as significant. If anything, right. you just you prove to the team that you're the right guy to lead this group. That we are we are out to to play against the best, and we're going to do everything we can to win. And it showed in the way we played. England did not look good. We outplayed them. We were the better team. And England are World Cup favorites heading going into this tournament. So yep. I, I have so much pride and proud of this result. I'm proud of the, the mentality and the performance. Um, and again, we're, we're, what we've seen is that we're lacking a nine. If anything had come out of, out of these two games is we don't have a clinical goal score. We don't have someone we can count on that's consistent. So let's put Timothy way yeah. up there and – Welcome to the show, Jimmy Conrad. <laughs> Cream Jimmy, cheese Jimmy, is back in the building. Cream cheese, yeah, Conrad. It's good to have you, hey, Jimmy. We were just Char- Charlie was just going down this route of how bad the U.S. played today. That there was no heart, there was no passion, there was no pride. Uh, that they, you know, you'll have to go back and watch it. But yeah, he really, he really let them. But no, but for real, Jimmy, really strong performance. We we kind of got to that point. Obviously, there's still the lingering. We can't score. There's still the lingering number nine problem. There was still what I thought the end of the first half where there was a little bit of worrying where we shut off for a bit. There was still that 10 to 20th minute where I thought we were playing a little fearful. But outside of that, if that's what I'm picking apart against one of the favorites in the tournament, it's a pretty good situation to be in, you know, all things considered. What's your take on, on this match? Yeah, I'm sure you guys got into the overall themes. I mean, one of the things that I thought was really encouraging was the fact that when the ball got wide, we had numbers in the box mm-hmm. consistently and that's a sign of a healthy team that's trying to do something when the ball gets into the attacking third. And I, I really appreciated that. And I don't think we talked about it enough maybe coming into this. I don't know if we saw a lot of it against Wales either, but there was a commitment to get forward, a commitment to put England on the back foot. I actually thought, speaking of them really quick, Harry Maguire was excellent. He was you know low-hanging fruit making fun of that guy, but I thought he was probably their best player, which really speaks to how much pressure we were putting them under that we're picking a center back as their best player in this game. So there's a lot of positives here. Yeah, I think in the first half, I thought we were a little bit too deep where we dropped off maybe a little bit more when we decided to sit in and give them possession near the half line. I thought maybe we could be a little bit higher. And then they were doing an excellent job of getting in out in, in behind Dest and Anthony Robinson and creating these patterns where Pulisic had to go down defend behind Anthony Robinson. We never want to see that ever. Or we yeah. saw Timo Weah having to defend behind Dest. Never, that should never happen. And our team shape yeah. is off and that's happening. But we had halftime, and I think we got that sorted. I didn't see as much of that in the second half. So there were a lot of things that I liked. With regard to the number nine, and I'd like to hear Charlie's thoughts about this, Haji Wright was obviously an interesting inclusion. I still want to see Timo away in that spot, and it did seem like we shifted to a 4-4-2 and kind of went a little flat in midfield. You're speaking because, my language. Yeah, and, and I appreciated that. We tried to do something that stifled Trippier and, and Luke Shaw a little bit, and then there was a real commitment from our central midfielders Weston McKinney in particular to try to go help behind if, if somebody was coming at him. I really enjoyed the, the energy of the whole team was excellent. And to your yes. point, Heath, you say this a lot, that if we have a lot of guys that are playing seven or eight out of 10, we're probably going to get a good result. And I thought we had enough of that tonight. And yeah, I was pretty pleased. I'm encouraged. I, I feel at peace. You know, this is the game that was the hyped up the most ever since yeah. we saw the World Cup draw. And I thought we, we were the better team. You know, OK, we didn't. It doesn't reflect in the scoreline, but I thought that we're we didn't look team. out of place and we held up. We held our own. Who's, who's yeah, and Jimmy who's jingling their microphone here? <laughs> Sounds like yeah. somebody's rough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe it was me for a second there, but but Charlie, uh, on that right, one of the things that I liked about the sort of team away of pinching in is that when we actually did have build-up play, there was finally what felt like not triangulation but a diamond of sorts between the players where you can actually start to combine passes through the middle, which drew England inside and then allowed us to find that space out wide. And I thought that combination play, it's been so long since I've seen the U.S. have that many players in and around the ball where the options made sense, right? It wasn't somebody having to do something brilliant to break the lines. There were just players around it in the right positions on the half turn or to lay the ball off that allowed us to advance the ball forward. Now, Charlie, on the wings, I'm not going to lie. I've spent a lot of time out here with people uh, here here in Dubai who've been talking about this Canada team, right? The U.S. team is more known, but nobody knows anything about Canada. Mm-hmm. But what they loved is that Canada on the wings will just eat you up. They just bomb forward with pace, ball in, back, and out, and, and they go. 
And I kind of started to feel jealous where I'm like, look at the players we have. Look at the clubs they play at. Why can't we have that type of energy? And yes, some of it is a little bit of that shock and awe of, of Canada being in a World Cup. But I thought tonight we actually showed some of that, that willingness to create and be dangerous on the wings as opposed to creating width for the sake of, of, of keeping possession. It was actually advantages. Did you, do you agree with that or did you say something different there? Well, I don't think we could ever compete with with Canada at the moment with just athleticism, pure athleticism. Tejon Buchanan and Alfonso Davies, those two players in particular are just electric. And they have the top speed are, are quicker than, than our wingers and just acceleration. So that is that wow factor when you watch Canada because they play just high risk. Those guys are running and, and whoever they're playing against, they're going to give you problems. Even if it's not their day, like Tejon Buchanan wasn't the sharpest. But because he's just relentless and he has that pace and that chip on his shoulder, it's very difficult to deal with. Um, and I think if any if any team in the, the opening stage that didn't get a result, um, impressed, which team impressed the most, it would be Canada. Uh, that was Belgium, and they took it to Belgium. But in terms of the U.S., uh, I think in terms of, of what Jimmy spoke about, getting down the, the flanks and Timothy Weah coming inside, not having to just rely on being a winger, which I think supports him playing as a nine because Weston McKinney now was able to get up the right. Serginio Des was getting up the right. Even Eunice Musa at times was was uh, on the right side. But you're, you have options. It's not one option. You have multiple options, which we didn't have before. And even Matt Turner with his feet, what? <laughs> Dribbling into the, the, the half. Uh, I, I was like, hey, I, am I imagining things? Are we feeling ourselves? Are we feeling ourselves? I, I am I am so pleased that they took this, this step forward as a group to play against the top team coming into the group, uh, group stage in England yeah. and being the better team. You're not always going to get the results, but come with everything else. Yeah. And the fact that we lack a nine, I'm hoping Greg just says, you know what? We, we have hard workers. But let, let's get more talent on the pitch, especially against Iran when we need to score. You need a little bit more in the attacking half. That screams to me uh, from, from the start, Brent Aronson. Um, even, so you, you got know, Timo Weah. I know Weah, we're going to go into a full preview, but you yeah. want Timo – like you're saying put all of our best attackers that we know can score yes. instead of going with a traditional goal scorer who is not proving himself right now. Jimmy, yeah. do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, well, you know, I've been clamoring. I've said this before like 18,000 times that I want Timo way up there. And I think Haji Wright did the job. I think if the job was what he exactly did. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think he hurt us at all. Uh, I think he was committed to the cause, and that was important. I think what's interesting is that if we hearken back, I don't know why I said hearken back. That's so formal of me. But if we hearken yeah, back so to World English Cup qualifying, it is super English <laughs> yeah. of me. I don't know. I've got English on the brain. But, but. I don't remember us rolling out the same lineup in World Cup qualifying or even in friendlies. We wouldn't roll out the same lineup. We weren't allowing our teams to kind of grow together as we work through either a tournament, even, even in Gold Cup, where we had multiple games with the team. There was never the same lineup. And I was actually pretty impressed and surprised that Greg Berhalter only made one change. And it was up top where still a big question mark. We don't even know how to utilize that number nine. Uh, because it doesn't seem like we necessarily have the guy that's that's been picked. We've we've already gone over that. But I think it did help the team that we could build off a of previous performance. Hey, guys, this is what happened in the Wales game, and this is what England's going to do. Since we've already worked together in this high-pressure situation, this is how we can build upon that. And I thought that was really important to why we performed a little bit better as a group. And I wonder if he's going to stick with that, because it felt very unlike Greg Berhalter to not tinker too much. That said, I do have some questions of his substitution pattern, and I'm kind of curious what you guys have to say about that because I thought he waited too long Agreed. to bring on a couple of our attacking players. If, if you're really going to go for the win, then you got to give those guys more than seven goddamn minutes to to try to make an impact on the game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What you guys I think, think I think it's that inner battle, the turmoil of a manager is saying we've been playing so well. I don't Agreed. want to change something and have that. it go the opposite way and have that adverse effect. And it, sure. it could easily do that because then you change the rhythm. That player loses possession. Next thing you know, it's in the back of that, especially against a team like England when you have so many different weapons. And you, you got to worry about Marcus Rashford. And he's a player that is so different than Harry Kane and, and Raheem Sterling and even Bakayo Saka because he, he is just all about verticality and he runs, which I think he should have started or at least come out at half because Harry Kane didn't look um, like himself. He, he looked like that ankle was bothering him. 
yes, I think he still should have made uh, substitutions earlier. I would have liked to see. I kept saying, all right, Haji Wright, you know, he did his thing, but it wasn't effective. Come off and get Aronson or Reyna on on the pitch earlier because we needed one more one more playmaker, one more midfielder who was comfortable on the ball, and I felt like that could have been the breakthrough. And if uh, Wea played the nine, people are saying, I see – Man, he's so good on the wing. He's so good at serving and crossing. Who's he crossing to? Yeah. So well, he can still cross to as the nine because he makes a run into the channel. Late run from Weston McKinney out of midfield. He, we saw that he finds the right spots. He knows how to find those gaps. Christian Pulisic, he comes in as well on crosses. But it's it's just got to be, I think, more players, more options who can score or who can create goals because right now the nine is not doing it for us. I got to say, guys, it, it, you, you guys get lit up with passion on these post-game shows that you're eating up all the airtime, and I appreciate that. I love these, <laughs> I love these monologues. But let's, let, look, I think we all agree that this was a really, really good performance from the U.S. in a lot of ways. So good. However, in the context of that, we scored zero goals and we left it on a point. We now have gone through two games that we could be on six points. We're sitting on two. So to, to, to put our critical hat on, right, uh, of this game – we had some chances. We didn't finish them. It's not about being more, more, more clinical, so to speak. Yes, that is part of it. But it is just about finishing or a moment of brilliance. We now had that collective performance, this one. But now we need to have individual players maybe step up or rise to the occasion. Do you think that's a worry heading into Iran? Because I, I don't want to change the narrative into being negative. But we do need to be critical of the fact that this was another game where there was three points available for us. Yes, it's surprising. And yes, we're happy because it's against one of the favorites of the tournament. But the same thing against Wales. That was our three points. And we gave up two. Now we gave up two more in this uh, one. Jimmy, I'll start uh, hold with on. you. Uh, okay, no, go ahead, I know, I know you're, Jim. I have to address one YouTube um, uh, comment. <laughs> Here we go. He, he, he got me. Uh, I took the bait. He's triggered. So, Charlie's uh, triggered, everybody. He's triggered. Kucher Criminal comes out and says, Charlie watches too much NFL verticality. What you want about? They needed technical players to break down the U.S. defense. No, they didn't, Kucher Criminal. And this is how you'll watch the game. <laughs> Because Harry Kane was coming in the inside where we wanted, we expected him to, and they had nobody to stretch the <laughs> opponent. So Tim Ream and Walker's it was an easy game for them. They didn't have to check their back shoulder. They didn't have to worry about people in behind. Harry Kane isn't going to beat you with his speed. Marcus Rashford, on the other hand, you can't come forward. You have to be honest. And when he stretches you because he makes runs in behind and England has the players to play those balls, guess what? More space opens underneath for your technical players. Your technical players didn't show up today. Your Jude Bellinghams were they're Casper the friendly ghost. They, they weren't they were non-existent. So that's your, your technical players means nothing if you have no space to be technical. You needed space. So there, there's your answer, criminal. I don't I don't I don't want to answer your question, Heath. I want Charlie to answer. I just Jimmy, more I just eloquently too. asked Sorry. this whole question about being critical, and Charlie's just fighting Sorry. people in the comments again. You Charlie, know? Charlie I, won YouTube I, comments zero. That's the score. We need to set up we need to set up the screen, Jimmy, where it's you and I sometimes, and then Charlie just pops off to the side and it's just him and his laptop <laughs> just just fighting people back in the comments for a bit. Hey, mate, these these fans, they they get me mad, bruv. They get me mad. I'm livid. But now, uh, right no, now, but, it's all about America, it's the States, man. The yikes. <laughs> now Charlie's Jamaican. He's going all kinds of accents right now, Jimmy. He's yard boy. Yeah, yeah okay. I mean, I think there's things that we did well in this game that we maybe didn't do as well against Wales. So I like that we're being a little bit more fluid. We're trying to solve problems in-game and not always having to wait until uh, halftime or afterwards when we get some more coaching instruction to make that happen. Players are solving players plays on the field and and I reference a point where Harry Maguire was winning every single corner every single corner and finally Weston McKinney and a couple of the other guys decided I'm just going to go screen Harry Maguire and and then he can't jump and win every single header because he's zoning in front of Jordan Pickford and Christian Pulisic was actually dropping some dimes in for set pieces uh, until the last one. Why did he play short to Gio Reyna? I didn't want to get I mean, it's just going to trigger me all over again. Anyway, so so on that they, particular they play. They conceded. They just wanted, yeah. they wanted to take the point. They didn't want to take the I, risk. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there's, those are the little things, right? And yeah. Weston McKinney obviously had a glorious chance in the first half that, what, nine out of ten times? He at least gets it on frame, and he gave a souvenir to somebody behind the goal. But, you know, that's that's – 
uh, to your point, Heath, yes, there's going to have to be some individual moments of brilliance where people are going to have to take on that responsibility. And like Team Away did against Wales, you get yourself in that spot and you got to finish it. You can't be casual. You can't be hoping. You got to make sure that you're going to do it and you have the confidence in that moment to make it happen. Because I don't know how many good looks we're going to get against Iran. I think they're well coached with Carlos Kirosh. If you look at their World Cup qualifying campaign, they only gave up four goals in 10 games. And that's the version we saw today against Wales, who didn't really look up for it at all. And I, I can't, when I watch Wales play, just a sidebar, those guys haven't been in the World Cup for 64 years, and some of them are walking around. I'm like, what is even happening? I know it's they hot. You guys have to make, make, <laughs> yeah, they look spent. They look, I know you like the vacation in this area of the world and not actually run around, but uh, it's, it's unreal. So, uh, yeah, Iran's going to be very difficult. And, and you're right, we're going to have to take our chances because I think they're going to be few and far between. Well, and Charlie... Speaking of that, and, and again, we're going to give a full preview here in, in the next couple of days, so make sure everybody keeps an eye out for that. We'll do it live, and we'll also be available uh, on demand, so so don't miss out on that. But thinking about the way in which we played against England, is that so, – and I know I, you need time to digest and, and, and look at the Iran game, but seeing right. both matches today, do you think the U.S. approaches the match the same way, knowing that Iran is going to sit deeper, they're going to give up probably some Whoa, of that possession, probably you, bait you? You don't know that. You, you don't I, know I, I if Iran's going to sit back deeper because today a lot of a lot of Iranians were saying, "I wish we played that way against England. We didn't sit back, st- uh, sit back, and give that we gave them too much respect." They might come out and and really play. And th- I think the only benefit from today's match is uh, Sardar Azmoun. I, I, I don't. I think he's his calf is is not good. I don't think he'll be able to really play against the United States. Did you see him That's, running around when they won. Uh, yeah. The calf looked pretty good. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I think I don't think he's he he'll be he'll be fit. I hope he doesn't play. Um, yeah. he's but in, in saying that, I think the U.S. have to come out with the same mentality. We need to beat them. We need to be aggressive. There there's no hesitation here. We got to be just like we did in the first half against Wales, and just like we did for the majority of the match against England. Go at them. Go. Trust trust in 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 Tyler Adams to lead because Tyler Adams. The way he led, oh boy! I mean, we got a legit captain for the next eight, ten years. I mean, this 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 kid is an absolute beast. Um, shut down everybody on that on that England side. So I, I'm hyped. I, I think today gave, gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. Not only uh, against Iran, just in general with this group. Um, and, and now it's just executing. You, they got that golden opportunity. It, it didn't come from them. Not it came from Weston McKinney. And I, I thought also Christian Pulisic had a lot of instances where he was 1v1. He's running at the back line. He was in open space. It didn't seem like he was checking too deep, which I loved. He stayed high. And and that changed the game for Christian. Jimmy, I wonder, let me though, ask you this. Which version? Yeah, shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, what I was going to ask you is it's very easy to look at this game because we played against England in the context of, uh, of a World Cup and say, on our day, we can go after England, right? Is this a day where we are on our day, or is this what you think that this team is tapped into the to, to what I think is the level they know they're capable of and haven't been able to find it? I think those are two very different things, right? On our day is hard to replicate, right? That's eights and nines from everybody. But this was a consistent performance. I go back to around the 24th minute where Weston McKinney drove the, drove the ball up the field and he played it out wide. It got Timo Weah involved. It got uh, Tyler Adams involved. It got uh, two or three other players involved where they all kind of their bodies just settled in and you could just see this different body language of them where they're like, Oh, you want to play with us? We'll play with you. And, they, and it just changed everything. Do you think that is the realization of the, what this team has? Or do you think we were just kind of lights out in a lot of ways uh, tonight? Um, cause, cause I feel those are different, you know, approaching this. No, no they are different. And I think that's an important distinction. I really loved, and I said it at the beginning, I loved our commitment to get forward, the commitment to get numbers in the box, the commitment to do something positive. I don't know what was said or, or if it came from Greg, or I assume it came from Greg in some capacity of how they could hurt England and how they could pin some of their better attacking players back or their more dangerous players. I thought we did an excellent job of that on both sides of the ball. Again, we limited Jude Bellingham. I thought Mason Mount was pretty invisible. Uh, He was Casper the ghost too, as uh, Charlie likes to say. I I thought we did a good job of keeping Luke Shaw and Trippier a little bit pinned back as well. And that was because we had to play on the front foot to make it happen. I remember maybe in the first minute, two minutes, Weston McKinney had a nice sequence out on the sideline with Timo Way, and we just unlocked England right away. And I think that is important. We need to do the same thing against Iran. Now, what I find interesting about Iran, to your point about them conceding possession to us, Wales 
over the last two or three major tournaments have on average had 43% possession. They like to sit back and absorb. And Iran forced them to have 60% possession today, which is crazy for Wales. They didn't probably even know what to do with the ball. And I think that Iran will sit back and be really thoughtful about who they attack with and when. And that's going to well, really and Jimmy, they had the goal they had called back, Iran, and the goal, the yeah. final goal that they scored. While it wasn't the way that they played, it still came from deep positions where a team is overexposed, they're yeah. out, out of balance, and then and then they go out and they they sort of two, three, four passes get up to the goal as quick as possible. So even if they don't sit back, that's still where they're most comfortable to create the attacks or the goal scoring opportunities. It would be really unfortunate, I think, if we did so well to put ourselves in a position where we control our own destiny and then have our, have our hearts broken by Iran like they did to us in 1998 when we played them in the group stages as well. Now, we weren't going through to the next round of that one. That was an absolute disaster of a World Cup for us. But that's the last experience we have, and they probably still remember when they beat us. So it's a little bit of a revenge match, I guess, for some in some capacity. But I think they're going to be very difficult and a much more difficult opponent than Wales. And I think that England, obviously, super talented, so you have to be switched on. And I think maybe we weren't as switched on against Wales, but I think we've improved from that game. And I hope that, to your point, Heath, we can continue to improve and be ready and be able to adapt to a different opponent and still have success, which is still, I think, the challenge for our young team. Can we do that? We, we England has done that. They've proven it over the last two major tournaments. They can get to the semifinals of a World Cup. They can get to the final of a Euro. And they've adapted to different styles and different opponents and still found ways to get results. I mean, even today, I'm sure English fans are a little bit disappointed, but they got the draw. They've got four points. They're on top of the table. To your point before, we have played well. We're feeling good about it. We're at, we got two points, and we're in third. So those are the little things, the fine margins. And now we'll get our chance at Iran, and, and uh, it's in our hands, which is a great position to be in. And I think if you would have told us that's what it was going to be heading into the tournament, I think all three of us would have taken that, especially with the kind of momentum and belief think, that we, our team is in. I think we all knew it was coming down to the final game against Iran. Yeah, yeah You wouldn't yeah, want yeah. it any other I way. Mean, so let I me mean, ask you this, than, then, Charlie. Other than winning against England and, and, and beating Wales, so then you didn't have to worry about it. But otherwise, if you had to, you know, depend on beating Iran, yeah, you take that. You in a yeah. World Cup, that that's you would you would rather that than than you know being in in an, in an outside position needing help from from somewhere else. Well, let me ask you this then, Charlie, before we before we take our first and only break of the show, mm -hmm. looking at this England game, obviously Iran and Wales. They played way earlier in the day. So there is some of that factor into this, knowing that, well, what's the, what's the difference? We win, we lose. Okay, we lose by a goal. We still have to beat Iran, right? And I think, do you think that played into it, uh, starting with you, Charlie, uh, quickly, and then Jimmy? Do you think that played into how this team was motivated, that lack of fear? Because that does tend to change things, knowing that this result has happened, it was earlier in the day, and now you know. The final, final match day, and we kind of knew that when we gave up points to, to Wales anyway. But this could have been differently where you can go, okay, well, we know it's going to go to the end, but if we get three points today, maybe it doesn't have to be as, as extreme on our final match day. Do you think that played into it? No, I, I think ultimately they had to come out and play because you, we could have as easily have seen the U.S. just defend and, and set in lo a low block and not look to, to press and not look to throw numbers forward or be very – um, conservative with that, they didn't. They didn't play that way at all. They they went after it. and and I and I loved what uh, Jimmy said. Just in terms of looking in the box when someone had the ball in a, in a, a position to serve it, and you had options, or you know it wasn't just one guy, or or there was no one in the box. There were people in the box making runs, wanting the ball. And when you have Weston McKinney, who's supposed to be one of your, your deeper lying midfielders, in the box, that means you're going after it. And, and he played, I think, in a much more similar role to what he does with Juventus. So he, there was that comfort level, I felt. On the right side, he could get up and down. Um, it wasn't dependent on uh, dependent on, on playing out of the, the midfield or, or being someone who's supposed to make the game. That's when he's at his best. And you saw Walker Zimmerman, too. Deferred 99% of the time when he had the ball. The one time he didn't, he gave up the, uh, a bad pass. He, he, he gave... Tyler Adams a bad ball too under pressure, um, and then England got a chance from it. So as long as Walker Zimmerman knows his role, which it seems like today for 99% of the game he did, um, him and Tim Reed make a good partnership. There was a good understanding of who comes, who who drops. That they were setting the line. Yeah. I, I was very happy. Very, it's a very traditional center yeah. back pairing, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll jump in and just add that if. 
we had looked at that result thinking, okay, it's all down to the third game anyway. I think the lineup choices would have reflected that. Obviously, we have a couple guys on cards. We took the risk and played them mm-hmm. anyway. I think we wanted to put our best foot forward, and I have a lot of respect for the players that wanted to probably go out there and play, knowing that, is it worth it? You know, Do we want a chance? Maybe not having a Weston McKinney or Serginio Des for that last game, but we know that's where it all matters. That That's a bit of a risk, and I bet Tim Ream as well, I think, got a yellow in that first game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was it was ballsy in some ways, and I, and I respected that we went out there and that we tried to go win the game at the end, too. I know that I'm being somewhat critical of Greg because I thought we just waited too long to put on those subs. Uh, I just don't think it's fair to those guys. I think they can make that type of impact in seven minutes, and I wish but, they would have gotten a little bit more time. But, but you know, outside of that, I, I still like the intent of trying to go out there and win the game. You know, we're putting on attacking options instead so, of throwing on – we could have thrown on a Kellen Acosta and be like, okay, we see your Jordan Henderson, Mr. Gareth Southgate. And we'll also yeah, put on someone that's reflecting us. for me. Yeah, well, well, you know, well, I think they were getting overrun a little bit, and they wanted to put somebody on there with a little bit more experience. But uh, he's, I think, well, he's, what's, he's what's your what's your great <laughs> what's your grade for Peralter? Because at one part of it, I see you you're you're happy that we went out there, we tried to win. He played the guys that were on yellow cards, and they were on the front foot. But you're, you're really critical of him great. with his substitution. So what what's his grade today? I would say in, in both games, I like the starting lineup in both games. The Haji right, I guess I scratched my head a little bit, but it, it seemed to work out and the players were responding to it because we shifted into more of a 4-4-2, traditional 4-4-2, which I think threw England off and they had trouble. Actually, if you saw it, Gareth Southgate was yelling to his team in the first couple minutes, they're playing a 4-4-2. And so I think they had trouble uh, trying to break that down. And I think that was a, a good thing. It was smart. So in terms of tactics and starting formations and, and starting lineups, I, I'm pretty solid. B plus, A minus, A. I mean, Mike in that area. But in-game management, you know, I, I thought maybe we could have handled that second half better against Wales. I think that's pretty unanimous for everybody in the fan base. And then I thought the subs just could have come a little bit earlier. However, to your point, Charlie, I will agree that if a team is playing well and there's some momentum and you can see the guys are in complete control and they don't look too tired, I can understand you just kind of holding off and not wanting to change that because that could backfire on you if you make the subs too soon. And so it's a bit of a no-win situation in that regard, but I felt like the game, you could feel it needing a little bit of a spark. We need a sub just to throw something in, and obviously we have the ultimate spark plug in Brendan Aronson who did come on, but even him only came on the 77th, 78th minute, and I don't know if that's enough for him to have that type of impact and really get into the flow of the game. So that's my thoughts on that. I, I would be probably in the probably C range for, for in-game management. But we're in a great position. We put ourselves in a place to get into the knockout rounds against a team that's going to be difficult, but uh, you're going to have to beat difficult teams Heath, if you want to have Heath, success at the highest level. Heath, are you surprised at all, given how much playing time and opportunity Jesus Ferrer had coming into this World Cup, that he hasn't played a minute? I'm not. I don't I, think he yeah. came in in the greatest of forms from playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. I think then he was out for a period. But obviously that doesn't mean anything because – we didn't expect Haji Wright to be even in the conversation, but Greg saw his form and, and, and not only brought him, but has used him, right? So it seems like there is some make goods that Greg Berhalter seems to be doing, which is like, if you've got the form, if you've got the hot hand, I'm going to go with you. And I don't see, again, looking at Wales and then looking at, at, at uh, this game against England and then looking at what Greg Berhalter said in terms of the profile of players he was looking for. It seems like there hasn't been a match for a profile player of Jesus Ferreira, if, if you look at it in the way that the games have played out, right? Josh Sargent in terms of the physicality and being a little bit more of a hybrid like a Ferreira. But my question back to both of you is, we went to a 4-4-2 today. You know who plays in a 4-4-2 and is great at it? Jordan Pifak. <laughs> Don't even bring it up. Don't even you know who's also, you know who's also good playing off of people around them or somebody more close and integrated to them? Ricardo Pepe. Do you think any of that matters? Or do you think across the board, we are just lacking at a – I mean, clearly we are lacking at a nine because nobody's really stepped up and said, this is mine, I'm not giving it away. You know, when Charlie took that position as the nine for the U.S. men's national team, there wasn't a question as, who's the nine? Maybe before that we were rotating and looking for that nine, but once it, somebody grabs it, they hold on to that with dear life, right? We see that in other positions. Uh, do you think any of that's missing? Or, or, or I mean, I guess that question is back to you, Charlie. Yeah, we, we, no one has established themselves as a starting striker. And – with this group, the skill set needed to be an effective nine is hard runs in the box. So being an option in the box, the hold up play is massive because you are you are so vital to hold up play, allowing Aronson, Musa, Wea 
to to run into the attacking half in that transition game with with loads of space. You need to be able to hold up the ball and just be someone who can relieve pressure. And then three, a finisher. We we have yet to see someone do that in, in doing it consistently. And that's why I'm saying in the World Cup, going into the most important game of of all these U.S. men's national team players' career. You need to play with someone you can trust and rely on. And that's, for me, Timothy Weah. Because Sargent hasn't done it. Haji Wright hasn't done it. Jesus Farr hasn't even gotten an opportunity yet, which means, which I think signals that he's not even doing it in training, not giving you any confidence to say, okay, he can do it. And he's not a, a player who plays off back shoulders anyways and creates space. So put him on. And and I think Brent Aronson is probably the most informed player, so he would get the start. And then that leaves you with, uh, one option off the bench uh, in the attacking midfield role, which would be um, Giovanni Reina. Well said. Well, Jimmy, I'm going to hold your thoughts until after the break. So we're going to take our quick first and only break of the show. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we got a lot more to talk about from this match between the U.S. and England. Don't go anywhere. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Don't forget, we are giving away 50 codes uh, throughout the 30-day, uh, throughout the throughout the next couple of months on the show. Sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, for a premium uh, membership for Paramount Plus, so make sure uh, to do that. We got to get to 300 likes. We'll give one away every time we get to 300 likes on the show. So make sure you put your handle in on the chat or in on Twitter, so we can put the handle so we in. Can, um, put the handle in. We say that every do time it. people don't put the handle in. Do it. And make sure you're following ISWT Pod on. Uh, Twitter, so we can so we can actually get you those types of codes. But the, the the audience and the crowd has been phenomenal around this World Cup. We hope it continues to grow. So we appreciate all of you jumping in on the comments, being part of the show. You guys are what makes this one great. Jimmy, I'm going to come back to you now on right. this um, uh, just kind of match. When 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 you think about again selections, you've been a little critical of game management, right? We talked we just talked about Jesus Ferreira. Do you think he's had a place in any of these games? And 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 if he, if if he hasn't, what circumstance? Do you need a Jesus Ferreira? Well, I do think that he would have been an interesting sub to bring in towards the latter stages of the game where it felt like, especially when Jordan Henderson came in, we could feel England conceding the fact that like, all right, we'll just take a draw. That felt like a, we'll just take a draw type move. I know they brought on Rashford and Grealish and those are attacking options. They'd maybe go in there and change those legs out there. But I thought Ferreira could maybe help there, drop back in. We could get some... The people in advance of him if he drops in. I, I know that Christian picked up the ball a lot in, in that in that space, uh, right where the defensive midfielders would hang out and and had some success doing that. He'd flash in there, he'd flash out. They sometimes we'd play him, sometimes they wouldn't. But I wonder. I, I think he could have thrown Ferrer in instead of Sargent, and I don't know how, how much he would have had an impact because he only got six or seven minutes anyway. But when I think about your question about hey, guess who would have fit a four four two P Falk and a Ricardo Pepe? I don't get the sense that Greg thought about that formation until after the World Cup began, until they saw England play against Iran and going, God damn, those guys just put six up against a team that's very good defensively. And whatever and whatever headspace Iran was in at that time, they definitely didn't look like they were as up for it as they were today. But it so, was still a hybrid 4-4-2, by the way. It wasn't traditional, right? It was. But it was no, it, in transition or in defensive moments or in certain uh, quadrants the of the field. We, 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 we did that. Um, and that should be a fluidity that this team has, being as young as they are and, and the ability to run, right? We're not trying to build a team around a Ronaldo. You have everybody that can be able to shift in and out of, of those types of positions. So do you really think that that wasn't thought about until he saw, like, man, we should probably do something different? And if that is the case, does it not make you – do you think that us not doing a 4-4-2 was a re result of us wanting to have more 
um, a different type of player on the field or different type of uh, profiles on the field? Or was it because we, we needed to play differently to, to qualify for the World Cup and therefore didn't have the matches to try that? Yeah, maybe the latter. I, I, I just... I feel like, okay, you can go and you know the World Cup's draw, you know your three teams, and you have a pretty good idea of the core of that team. Now, when we saw Iran or when we drew Iran in our group, they had a different coach. They had Dragan Skocic as their coach who plays different than Carlos Kirosh. Okay, Carlos Kirosh comes back in. He takes over the team. They bring in Sardar Asmun, who was on the outs because he was not involved with Skocic. And now their team's different. Asmun is sick. That that guy is good. And his <laughs> yeah. relationship with Taremi is, is insane. And so, you know, that's that that all of a sudden, okay, everything you had been preparing for with Iran, sure you have all, you know, I'm sure they have thousands and thousands of sheets and video and all that stuff to watch. But now you see him in a World Cup game. What does that team look like at a World Cup game? And there's more documentation, I would say, on England given their their success in the last two major tournaments. But even then it changes. I mean, they were probably preparing for England to play a back three because that's all England had been doing. But prior to this tournament, they hadn't won in six straight games and had only scored in two of those six games. They were struggling. They switched to a back four in that first game. And I remember thinking, crap, we haven't really seen that again from Gareth Southgate. And Gareth Southgate comes out afterwards and says, I wanted to take the shackles off and let my players play and bomb forward and have some fun or whatever. I'm like, what the hell? Who's this Gareth Southgate? I don't even recognize this guy. So, yeah, I do think that there was probably some generic or, you know, I'm not generic. I'm sure they did a lot of work and detail and scouting on England. But then all of a sudden you come to this tournament and Southgate's playing different and now you have to adjust. So I don't think that we had that in mind, frankly. I think that we saw what they did against Iran, and and uh, we we adjusted accordingly. And I thought our tactics were good today. I just wish we got some guys on a little bit earlier. That's it. I'm a pretty simple guy. <laughs> hey, simple. Charlie, let me let me let me ask you this then: um, on on a player like Sardar Asmun, right? Doesn't play a ton in the Bundesliga. I mean, there's plenty of teams in this World Cup that are playing players who are becoming stars or are their star that are not in the best of situations? Have we spent the last months overlooking form or overlooking um, certain things for the sake of, of trying to, like, sort of round peg, round hole uh, our, our team here? Or, or, you know, does form really matter? I mean, again, that's it's kind of a loaded question. But, like, yeah. is there anybody that we kind of haven't talked about that hasn't been in form? Miss McKinney no. hasn't been playing. He was unbelievable today. Wasn't as great a few days ago when he didn't look as fit or healthy. <laughs> No, I mean we, we know who 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 are who our ballers are who who can play. I mean, ultimately, Christian Pulisic, you could say, is not in form, not playing. Are you not going to take him? Are you not going to consider him? Uh, same with Weston McKinney. Uh, you could say that for Serginho Dest, and these guys are are showing up and playing. So, I, I think it comes down to who, obviously for Greg Berhalter, who makes the group um, perform at their best. Who who if they're not playing, won't take away from, from the group's positivity. Um, you know, Matt Turner today showed incredible. Excellent. Excellent, uh, just, I am so just in awe of how far Charlie's going to say come. proud. Like he's his dad. Just his incredible concentration because you're, you're, you're taking the game to England and all of a sudden, that one moment comes for, for Mason Mount and he strikes it clean. A lot of keepers may cheat because they think he's going to the far post, gets down low to his near post and makes the, the important save. Then with his feet, everyone talked about how poor his feet are, but he, my man's dribbling out of the back <laughs> into the midfield. He, he was not scared of the moment. I mean, that come that he's come a long way. Uh, yeah. we, we always talked about Tim Ream being slow. He, he's been our best Solid. back. He's been our best back. That's it. He's been our best defender. Uh, even Walker Zimmerman, poor distribution. Well, in the World Cup, he he said, "I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm gonna I'm not going to try and play these long balls and make the game. That's not my skill set. I'll get it off my feet." The only problem is, towards the end of the game, England knows that because you ultimately show your cards in in the course of the match. Everyone sees, okay, he's not trying to play the ball. He's he, let's force it to Walker. And then we're going to take away all those simple five-yard passes and see what he does. How, how does he react? He still wanted to play the, the ball to Tyler Adams under immense pressure in a bad situation. So working on those uh, situations, but in terms of just defending, he came up with some massive tackles, puts himself in good positions. You can rely on him for set pieces. He, he, he had a couple of clearances on crosses and corner kicks. So I, I overall, I'm 
I'm very happy because Walker Zimmerman has not been in good form this year either. So there are a number of players, U.S. players, who I think in this World Cup, especially in this England game, showed up when maybe the stats would, would tell you otherwise. So well I think said. at some point we should talk We should talk Gio Reyna because he didn't get the start today. Uh, there's been rumblings that maybe there was uh, some back and forth between Gio and Greg about the situation. And I don't know much more than that, but I, I've caught some 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 rumors floating around that there had been a, a stern talking to between the two where both had words. And he gets in for seven minutes. I don't know how much impact he can make in that. I, I, I wonder how we utilize him moving forward because it seems right now where he's just kind of an afterthought. And that's frankly pretty surprising given how much I thought or I think we all thought we were going to rely on so him. So you're saying this, it's an attitude, attitude problem? I'm not saying it's an attitude thing. It can okay. be a whole bunch of different things. I'm just saying that I know or I've heard. You know, he's, he's, look, the, the reality is, is there's a – And I don't know why there wouldn't be. I mean, he there, probably came yeah. into this thinking he was going to play, and then he's not, not being used. Jordan Morris is going in over him. And then yeah. – and then so what's so here's a bit of the beef is that Gio's out talking in the press that he's 100% fit, and Greg is saying after the game that he's got a muscle strain, and that's already creating some gray area because they're not matching Yeah, I up. think – I think obviously Gio's young, right? And we know with that's going to come some things. We've also known that he's got that fiery personality. I've heard from players in the team uh, how his, I don't want to say attitude, but how his, 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 his personality can be. Um, and obviously that's, that's at odds. And like you said, Jimmy, there's now a public controversy where you're like, well, one saying one, one saying the other, which is it? And that's never going to end well. And obviously not getting a minute. Again, when I think about Gio and I think about playing with two strikers, I don't want him necessarily up top. But I do want him – anywhere that I can get Gio closer to attacking players, when I talked about sort of the, the diamond in our attack before where it just seemed like players knew how to play forward, back, over, and they're just – look, the combination play didn't seem like we needed to go 30, 40 yards to complete a pass. That's where I'd love to see Gio because that's where he's really good at facing up the field, laying the ball off, follow, following it, and going forward. But, again, I don't know where – we well, I don't about know where you start him now. Problem. Well, he's not yeah, playing exactly. in the midfield. I'll tell you right now. He's not playing no. over Eunice Musa. He's not playing he's over Wesley. He's, he's not playing over Tyler Adams. We talked about this for months, right? Of what's the hard decision that Greg Berhalter is going to make. It's never going to, it was never going to be if you have your healthiest team. More often than not in qualifying, we are nowhere near our healthiest team. Even in our friendlies, we weren't near our healthiest team. But now we're as close to the healthiest team as we can get. Gio's probably the least of the healthy ones. Yes, everybody's sort of riding a knock like Weston McKinney and whatnot. But now the hard decision comes is, who do you leave out? Who do you not play? Brendan Aronson's had to do that two games. This yeah. guy's been one of the best players and, and, and has like stats and records in the Premier League so far this year in terms of ground and cover and all those types of things. So there's a lot there that Greg Berhalter just had to make hard decisions on. Now you can take that and you can deal with it or you can not. And I'm not saying that's the situation with Gio Reyna, so I don't want to speculate on that. But I don't know where you put him at this point going into the third game as a starter. Uh, you know what's funny to me is all the English fans and supporters are saying, Gareth Southgate, out. You, manager doesn't know tactics. And we played a better a better game than, than England. We were the better team against a team that's rated to potentially be a, a favorite for the World Cup. And we have people saying, Berhalter, out, doesn't know tactics. It, I feel like as a manager, you can't win <laughs> no. because, oh, you, can't. you know, Gareth Southgate, they win 6-2. Yeah, today it wasn't the best match, and, and I think it came down to uh, tactics. I think it came down to maybe fresh legs. I, I don't see a reason why you play Harry Kane if he's not 100% because it, it, it showed. Uh, give You have so many options. You can even play, you know, Rashford, Harry Kane, uh, Raheem Sterling as a false sign, whatever it is, but – they just they just weren't effective today in, in the attack or in, in keeping possession. The, the midfield was absolutely overpowered. But in terms of the U.S., I think the only thing where I would look at this game and say, mm, it's got to be better is, is just the substitutions. Getting getting and, and that's a, that's a special skill to say, all right, we've been getting the better of England, but I, I see an opportunity here for Gio Reyna, or I see an opportunity for Brent Aronson, and I got to give them time to get in the game and make that difference. I know as a the sub. The side, Charlie, is if they come I'm, in and don't do that and you lose all the momentum, right? And that's, again, that sweet spot of, like, when is yes. the right time? Because you sub too many players, you 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 know, it's like it's like when you play in friendly matches or in a friendly with a national team. You take five players out, five players in, you go, well, there went all, all of the momentum and rhythm of the team. 
But do you, do, you, do you think that's enough time, the, the amount of time he gave these subs to do anything in the game? No, those are closeout minutes, right? Those are those yeah. are like hope for the best. That's Circumstantially, not, maybe you get into a good spot enough. to do something. Otherwise, put in that effort and keep this draw at a minimum. Now, I think Jimmy 60 Fox. minutes would have been too much. But I think the 70th minute is, is when you make that sub, when you make that even the 68th. As soon as England made their changes, you would expect, okay, which I was shocked, you know, Jordan Henderson and Jack Grealish aren't really players that I would expect to come in and change the game, although Grealish did get forward quite a bit. But he he was very predictable. I, th- I thought Phil Foden is a player who's very unpre- unpredictable and can go inside out, can can create. Uh, so I think it was fortunate that they, they chose those players to sub in the game. But I thought that's where we could counteract their substitutions and maybe make some changes. Yeah, again, I'll, I'll reemphasize that I was disappointed in the timing of the subs. But when I think about why England made theirs, Jordan Henderson came in, I think, to slow it down. I think we were overrunning them in midfields. And when you think about it from that capacity through those lens, from the English lens, then it makes sense to bring in somebody with some experience and just try to, you know, shut down shop in that area and force the game wide, ultimately, not get broken down through the middle. Grealish obviously coming in for Sterling, tired legs, maybe something a little bit different. Rashford comes in on the other side. You know, if Harry Kane wasn't 100%, I don't know why they rolled him out for 90 minutes. I think maybe with Rashford had gone up high. If Honestly, if they brought in Rashford, Grealish, and Foden, that's a pretty formidable three to bring in off the bench to really put some tired defenders uh, to the sword. But uh, mm-hmm. thankfully, they didn't do that. I kind of want to talk about Shaq Moore. I mean, uh, he's kind of like Haji Wright. Dude, Haji Wright didn't play one World Cup qualifying game for us. And all of a sudden, he's starting in a World Cup game. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It reminds me of 2010 when we had Edson Buttle and, and Hercules Gomez and Robbie Finley coming to the team, and all of a sudden, they're starting World Cup games. That's absolutely crazy. But Shaq Moore, coming out of nowhere, out of left field, I thought Yedlin would have probably gotten that call over Shaq Moore, but here we are. Do you think – I'm kind of curious what you guys thought when you saw Shaq Moore's number called and he's coming into the game. I don't know I'm who was shocked. To and, and he yeah. just absolutely just fouled for, for the amount of time he was in. Yeah, I agree. It's it's so it, – it, it's – that's one of the few places on the field when you talk about defenders or defensive first players that you don't have somebody that's proven something first, right? Again, you take a flyer or a gut instinct, you got the butterflies you throw on Edson Buttle, right? You throw on Robbie Finley, you hope for the best because they're in positions that they can't, they can't hurt you. They can help you, but they're probably not going to mm-hmm. hurt you. But when you talk about somebody else who hasn't proven themselves, I think, in the national team ever really um, in terms of consistency to, to come in in a situation like that, I, that that's, again – I think if we're reviewing anything, pre-games, the tactics, the execution of that, fantastic. I think we all agree. And then in-game management is probably where we're at the most risk of the time that you make subs, who those subs are, um, you know, uh, and, and the impact they need to be able to have uh, on the game. Is that, is that agreed with this group? Agreed, 100%. Right. We're in agreement. We agreed on something. All right. So listen, uh, <laughs> let, let's start to let's start to. I mean, I'm I'm kind of shocked that we all agreed on something. You know, I thought we were gonna have to go down another rabbit hole for a bit. But let's <laughs> let's start getting down to the end of the show. Obviously, for everybody that's watching and or listening, we've got a we've got our uh, official preview uh, for the Iran game here in two days. That's what it's Friday here, so that would be Sunday. And I think we have a Monday show as well. I, I do not quote me on that, but we're gonna get down to our final thoughts before we before we uh, get out of here for this one. Um, but we've got a lot more to cover hopefully uh, continuing far deep into the tournament. But, Jimmy, I'll start with you. Final thoughts. You, you've obviously had a long day. You're running probably on 18 hours right now. Um, can, you, can, you, can you mash it all up into a, to a final thought for me? Well, yeah, I, I would say that there was a lot of anticipation for this match, uh, not only for today, but just once we saw the World Cup draw. I mean, circling this on our calendar, we've been talking about it, you know, soccer versus football. What are we going to call this sport? Kind of ironic that it ended 0-0 after all that hype. But I thought it was a very entertaining 0-0. I think our team learned a lot about themselves. We learned a lot about them as well. And I'm satisfied. I feel pretty warm and fuzzy inside that we've got a team that is really starting to buy into who they are and what they're about and what their potential is. And I'm excited to see how we come out and compete against a very difficult Iran team because I think it's going to be a tough challenge for us, but one that I think we can overcome. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, you, Charlie. I'm with you. I'm just super optimistic um I'm, I'm encouraged after today's performance i'm i'm proud of the group i'm proud of of how far they've come as a team they finally put together that performance against a top side in, in the world uh that they can compete with the best they, they had always dreamed of that 
in a World Cup situation competing against uh, World Cup favorites, they did today. And they were unlucky not to win this game. They were the better team. That that's promising. Why why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you think they can get through um, and beat Iran coming through with that that first win of the World Cup and be unbeaten in group stage five points? What? Let's go! And, uh, and I love it. And you look at the next round. I'm encouraged. I don't. I know <laughs> I you don't want to get too say far. Encouraged but again, Charlie. I like how I like what you say. Encouraged. I'm pro. I'm. <laughs> I, I'm hyped. I. I am optimistic. I'm. I'm. I'm uh, let's go right here. States like all that. day. Okay. Well, listen, everybody, uh, if you want more coverage just uh, outside of the, the context of the U.S. men's national team uh, and you want more of a global pers- perspective, uh, make sure you check out our friends at House of Champions. They're part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. They have an awesome crew that's recapping and previewing all that's happening in Qatar every day of the tournament and beyond uh, after the World Cup ends. So if, if you want more of that wider thing, make sure you check them out. Give them a like and a follow and a listen because uh, they're our, uh, our brothers in the network. Um, and make sure you download and, and subscribe to House of Champions on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast. And also, if you like the way the players played today, make sure you go to soccer.com, get their jerseys, join the Gold Club loyalty program. $5 could get you potentially up to 10% off for the rest of your life, and that's pretty great. Um, so make sure you do that. And of course, I got to say thank you to Jimmy Trashcan Conrad. He's, he's going to bounce out and probably has to be up here in a few hours. And Charlie Davies, who's at Jimmy's, Jimmy Nash. I are, are, are constantly curious as to what house he's at right now because he's got a backdrop that I haven't seen before. <laughs> and, of course, Alex and Dez, our producers, and everybody else at CBS Sports, we appreciate all that you guys are doing. And, Much of love. course, most of all, all of you listeners, all of you watchers, we appreciate all of you. You guys make this thing great, and we will see you guys next show. Peace.